Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got a great episode slated for you all today. Something, again, I think everybody will appreciate as we're in this digital meeting first type of world. First, though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can support the channel. For $3 a month, you can join the channel, become a baby shark. But if doing stuff through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry. We got your back. You can go to deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. You'll get 20% off. And all the proceeds go directly to help build in this channel, making it the biggest, the best it possibly can be. Back to today's show. We got another great entrepreneur whose industry was flat out decimated due to this darn virus. Somebody who had to be quick thinking and pivot on his feet and roll with a virtual first format. In fact, in 2020, he only lost money in the business during the month of April when everything canceled. Due to his quick thinking, he was able to bounce back in May. Hasn't looked back since. So we're going to ping his mind. We're going to hear his story. And we're going to listen to another awesome success story during the pandemic right here on Shark Pipe Biz. So who is today's guest? Brandon Wong. Brandon started off his career as a wedding photographer who wanted to scale his company. Instead of hiring photographers, he learned on the simplicity, reliability, and profitability of a photo booth. Now he helps thousands of people all over the world start their very own photo booth business with a proven and profitable plan. So hey, let's bring Brandon on in here. Business Operations. Brandon, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became shark bait. Oh, no. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It, it really depends who you like. I, we just had Soledad O'Brien on. She loved it. She loved being shark bait. So it all depends, I guess. <laughs> well, if she did, then I'm sure I'm going to love it too. So thanks for having oh. me on, Dan. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. So very first question we have, you know, we ask everybody, does it matter who you are? Same question is, you know, what's your experience? What do you do for a living? How did you get where you're at? Basically, tell us what makes Brandon Wong, Brandon Wong. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Loaded well, question, right? Right off the bat. Really loaded question. Well, I'll start off with kind of the end here and I'll kind of go back to the origin. So uh, right now we sell photo booths. The ones you see at these amazing events, these parties, these gatherings, the ones that disappeared in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I want to share with you kind of a little story about how we survived, not only survived, but thrived in 2020 and how it was actually the mm -hmm. most profitable year we've ever had in an events company. Um, but before that, I got to start with the origins. And that starts when I was actually 19 years old, David, as a wedding wow. photographer. And I was in, in college 
And I was dating my girlfriend at the time. And we were both shooting these awesome weddings together. And we got to the point, David, we were, I think, like 21 years old. The business was growing, super happy. But we tried to grow it. And as a lot of these entrepreneurs listening here know, you get to a point where you want to start hiring people. But yeah. weddings are a particularly risky business. Yeah. What if you got married and the wedding photographer didn't show up? What yeah. if you got married and the wedding photographer lost your wedding rings that you spent tens of thousands of dollars on? What if this person forgot or missed your first kiss? What if, what they, if the groom forgot to show up? What? <laughs> That's <laughs> never had right? that happen before. Um, and I, if they didn't show up, I don't think they forgot. I think they intentionally didn't want to show up. <laughs> right, right. But right. anyways, it's, it's a high risk business, and when we to hire a photographer, it would be super duper risky for us. Um, for a lot of those situations that I just mentioned. So, David, I got together with my then girlfriend, now wife. We were like, "How do we fix this problem?" How do we yeah. scale our business but mitigate risk? And then at the mm-hmm. time, every single couple was asking us about a photo booth. And these were these things that were so hot at weddings. People were paying a lot of money for them and they were a ton of fun. So we went out and we essentially made our own photo booth. And at right. that point, it was getting really popular. And a lot of our friends in the industry, wedding photographers, DJs, videographers, were asking me and my girlfriend, like, hey, are you guys selling this too? Because I have that same problem. I want to scale and grow my business in a really easy way. Are you selling your photo booth? And I said, you know what? Too many people are asking. This, this is a sign. So there's a huge trade show oh, coming Hold up. on one oh. second. I don't All want right. to ruin your story. But no worries. explain for people out there, what do you mean by photo booth? Because I think, and even with me, when I go through my head, when you think photo booth, I could think of a million different things that could apply as a photo booth. So can you explain what your definition of photo booth is? That's a great question. It's a really complicated one, right? And a photo booth could be anything Mm -hmm. you go in front of and you take a picture in. Okay. That is is a machine, really, right? (laughs) So it's a non-photographer capture situation, right? So this Mm -hmm. could be anything from you go to the arcade, and you go to this one of those big boxes and you pull that curtain, you take a picture and a little thing comes out. Um, this could be going to uh, a wedding. Um, and it, there's one of those portable situations where, again, a big black box, curtains, you come in there, take a picture. Um, it could be a lot of different types of things. Um, so I guess we'll, with my vision, what I wanted to clarify is what you're talking about. Are you talking about the the actual full-blown machine automated photo booth like what you're saying like from an arcade system because i've also seen photo booths like for example i went uh, i'm a huge eagles fan i don't know if you can see saint nick right behind me but you know i go to the eagles game they have like a photo booth type thing but it's a manual photographer that's taking the pictures in the photo booth is it a combo of both or do you only do the machine type ones? We sell the machine. It's as automated okay. as possible. Yeah. That's awesome. I love automation. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we put our heads together and we said, okay, we're going to this trade show and we're going to put this out there. But we have mm-hmm. to make a photo booth that's completely different than everyone else. All the other photo booths out there are huge 
they have that curtain, so you can't see what's happening inside of it. The picture quality is not great. Um, it's just it's ugly, and it doesn't match the, the these oh, really yeah. luxurious weddings that are out there. So mm-hmm. we made this beautiful photo booth, and we went to this trade show. Um, ends up mm-hmm. at that trade show, we sell over six figures worth of photo booths to people that are going to bring these wow. photo booths out and make even more money with them. So funny thing is we take that money and we're still girlfriend and boyfriend. We run to the Las Vegas strip because that's where the convention was. We bought an engagement ring and then we got married six months after that. So the wow. same year we started photo booth supply Co was actually the same year that we got married as well. And we remained business partners and, and, and a wonderful couple ever since then. It was in journey. Loving business. <laughs> <laughs> Loving business. Loving business. Yeah. So yeah, that was over eight years ago at this point. Um, and now we have, oh man, close to 30 team members all across the world. Uh, we're a partially distributed company. So our headquarters is in Orange County, California, but we got team members in mm-hmm. Uruguay, in Greece, United Kingdom, Hawaii, Canada, everywhere in the world. Um, and it's, it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride. So, I mean, the photo booth industry, photo booths have existed forever. When did you get married and start your business, roughly? 2013. 2013. Okay, so what, roughly about eight years ago. What do you think separates your photo booths then from all the cabillion of different photo booths that are out there. Yeah. So I want to make it clear. We don't rent photo booths. What we really do is we provide a business in a box in the form Mm. of a photo booth. So if somebody wants to start a business, you know, it's time consuming and it's complicated. It's expensive to start a business, right? And most people don't make it. You know, what is it? The 90% of businesses fail after the first X amount of years, whatever. It's tough. So what we decided to do is mitigate as much risk as possible. We not only provide the photo book, but we provide marketing materials, a sample contract, resources to get your website. We have an educational program with over a hundred recorded videos that teach you how to build and scale your business. We have a application that helps you create events, customize events, and help you even create proposals to close more events. Everything is automated, not that's just from pretty, the photo booth perspective, but from the business awesome. perspective as well. Do you view yourself then more as their partner rather than just their vendor? I mean, how, how do you view that? I mean, do you have like upselling stuff that you're able to sell them later on? That Okay, so the reason I'm asking this is... Let's take a step back. For me, my day job, unfortunately, the podcast is not my day job. I wish it was, but it's not. And my day job, I do ERP sales. And the way that we position this is, hey, I'm your partner for growth. This is a growth partnership. And obviously, during the sales cycle, a lot of prospects, they roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, that's total BS. He just wants to sell us. But in reality, That is 100% true. Why? Well, because if I help you grow your business, guess what? You're going to be buying more stuff off me. It is 100% in my interest to make sure that my software, my ERP platform helps you grow your business because you're going to be buying more services. You're going to be buying more licenses. 
And it's going to be a win-win for both of us, especially because I like giving out discounts to people. So you're going to save money when you do buy more stuff from me. Is that how it is for you? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, what we like to tell people is that you get all the benefits of a franchise without all the downside. So let's mm-hmm. just say if you were to open up a McDonald's right now, you have to put in at least a quarter million dollars worth of capital. So it's a, a mm-hmm. huge expenditure up front. But at the same time, you have to essentially abide by all the McDonald's rules and you have to give them a portion of your profit for marketing uh, and just a slice of your profit, period. For us, uh-huh. on the other hand, when you buy your photo booth, it's your company, it's your product. You can do whatever you want with your company. We have no say in it, right? But right. at the same time, we provide you, like you said, with all those tools to grow your business. And we only win if they win. And we uh-huh. have that software that we provide that is uh, an ongoing recurring fee. And that gives us the ability to continue to develop tools to help them make more money. So let's just say when boomerangs became really popular at weddings, we came out with a boomerang right. option. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And that helped people I've heard of it. get more what, business. What, what is it exactly? <laughs> it's just a fun little video capture or something like that. Um, maybe a more easy example would be like text messaging or emailing at an event. So... At, at these photo booth events now, people want their images immediately. So when, when that demand came out for instant sharing at an event, we came out with text message sharing. We came out with email sharing. And when the pandemic rolled out and we noticed that, man, people don't even want to touch anything anymore. We came out with a hands-free mode, David. So someone could just actually go in front of our photo booth wave their hand and then the photo booth would start automatically and then they just scan a QR code to get their capture. So all these things wow. we've developed to help our entrepreneurs even survive and thrive in a COVID type environment. So they were just actually dropping off their photo booth, having the photo booth run, the guests were doing a hands-free experience and then they picked up the booth by the end of the evening. So that's all made possible by our software that of course our owners are paying us for, but we're paying them back multiple fold over by providing them awesome features they can sell to their clients. So definitely yeah, a win-win situation know, like you mentioned. So I, I'm looking at your site right now as we speak, and it is pretty gnarly. It's actually of interest to me because one thing I realized, I don't know if it's just this pandemic or what, but we're stuck at home I'm bored and I'm thinking like, hey, how can I make more money? So I started a podcast, you know, which has gone pretty good. By the time this comes out, we'll be near 100 episodes out of the show already. Awesome. Um, in addition to that, I started a, a coffee company, a zombie, zombie inspired coffee company called Dead House Coffee. But another thing that we're thinking is because I play guitar, my wife sings. We have out the kazoo audio and video type equipment. The only thing I was mixing missing is like a DJ actual board, and they're only like 250 for a pretty decent one. So I was thinking, like, crap, I'm gonna go grab a DJ board. And my my son just turned 18. So it's like, bam, we're gonna start having him do, you know parties once uh covid eventually ends and djing and stuff like that and i i'm looking at your site i mean you even have things in there as far as a uh, a profitability calculator 
in there to where I was like, okay, if he does one party a month and we're only charging $600 for the rental, okay, it's showing us like he'll make about 20, roughly $2,900 profit in his first year with the machine. That's pretty awesome, Matt. I mean, you are really enabling people to think outside of the box. Yeah. And there's some stats to blow your mind. Um, we have over 4,500 owners all across the world and every major country. Um, but the average revenue our owner brings in, we did a survey, is $72,000 per year, which is nuts. And we have and that's a lot of, of people. One, one, one photo booth. That that ranges and how many photo booths these owners have. It was a survey mm-hmm. with all of our customers. Um, so that was wild. And when we did that survey, we actually found out that multiple of our owners are actually over the seven-figure mark. So they're making over a wow. million dollars a year. And they can do that because we talked about building a product that scales, right? How hard is it to mm-hmm. hire hundreds of wedding photographers to, to have a really skilled craft, knowing how to talk to customers, knowing how to have that creativity, knowing how to have that technical aspect of operating a camera to hiring a bunch of people just to drop off photo booths all across your city, right? And you can have Mm -hmm. tens of them out at at a night. Um, And you essentially become a logistics company at that point. So it's much easier to scale a photo booth business than it is to scale a lot of other ones because there's not a lot of skill involved. You drop it off, you have someone that's entertaining the guests or not, not even present period because we've developed features that don't even need an attendant. And you just scale and grow. It's super great. So let's get into the product itself here. I'm looking at your 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 product, the photo booths itself. Did you design that yourself? Did you have an you know an out uh, an outsourced firm design the photo booth? How did you come up with the look and feel of what your photo booths are? ultimately are. Yeah, so we've had three photo booths made since the inception of the company. The one you're looking Mm -hmm. at right now is our latest um, photo booth called Salsa. And how this came about was our previous photo booth. How did you come up with the name Salsa? I'm sorry. How did you come up with that name for a photo booth? So, you know, our our previous photo booths were like nine or $12,000, right? Yeah. And these were like really heavy duty, like, very professional, great equipment type photo booths. Mm-hmm. And as we wanted to grow our company, we realized that we wanted to provide a photo booth opportunity to as many people as possible. Um, and that means providing more photo booths to as many gatherings in the world. And that's actually our, our vision statement is a, is a photo booth at every gathering. In order to do that, yeah. we need to make something a little bit more cost-effective. Um, mm-hmm. So we decided, hey, an iPad is something that really is GPU focused as in it, it, Apple's really doubling down on image processing. They have a great camera on there. Why not leverage that and then build a photo booth around it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that free technology from an iPad really uses video mode. So when we thought about making this new photo booth, we said, okay, boomerangs are going to be cool. Video is going to be cool. GIF capture is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And all these other things that we can't even reveal yet. So when we talk about naming our photo booth, well, we talk about what's what's something that's in motion, right? Well, movement, salsa, salsa dancing is in motion, right? You also mm-hmm. put salsa on a dish 
to make it spicier, to make it taste better. Just like you bring a photo booth to an event to make it enhance it, right. To make it more fun. And then the last thing is our previous photo booth, actually the one on my right is called queso, which is Spanish for cheese. So you say cheese (laughs) when you want to take a picture. So that was called queso. So now we have queso and salsa. So (laughs) queso and salsa form of movement. And it also goes good on a dish. It goes good at a party. Now, now, one thing that you had mentioned, which perked my ears, was the iPad. Now, I understand why iPad, you know, they do have some good quality images, stuff like that. But are you absolutely limited to iPad or are you able to use some of those top line Android uh tablets like the Galaxy S Tab 7, which is pretty similar, I think, at least personally, to quality of something like an iPad. Yeah, it's really tough to rival Apple right Mm -hmm. now in terms of GPU processing and in terms of um, their cameras. Um, Mm -hmm. Some other tablets might best Apple, but when you combine the the machine learning algorithms and just that... Mm -hmm incredible processing power of Apple, it's really tough to come close to it. Um, in addition to that too, the screen is extremely bright, which is great for outdoor events. So there's a lot of things right. conducive um, for an iPad to, to be in a photo booth, to be used is, as a photo booth as well. Okay, so basically you have a, it, it, I, I'm assuming from what I'm hearing, it's like a completed package that, that people are purchasing. How are you actually selling this because i see you know a couple different things here i see on the website you have the salsa you know the hardware itself you're selling that but then you also have the software component as well too can you explain how they break down and how they kind of work together yeah absolutely so our Photo booth is what you bring to the face. It's the hardware, right? And mm-hmm. the iPad captures all that content. Obviously, nothing works unless you have a software behind it. I, I guess you can yeah. open up the camera app on iOS and just like manually take pictures all evening. But you want something that facilitates more fun. So right. what our app does, essentially, it, it's kind of a two-part component. One is an admin mm-hmm. side where you're actually creating these photo booth events. So obviously you're getting married. You want something that matches your event perfectly. So let's just say you're having this rustic barn wedding out in the middle of the woods. You want your photo booth prints to look, have like trees on it, forests on it. You mm-hmm. spend a lot of money on your wedding website and you spend a lot of money on your invitations and you have this beautiful custom cursive font. You have this logo and you want all that to be included in your photo booth. Well, Previously, a lot of photo booths, they just took a picture and printed it on a little tiny strip. Our app mm-hmm. allows you to customize that entire experience where the print template has all this unique imagery on it. And on top of that too, all the images and the videos that you can get output of the, the boomerangs that we mentioned, the videos, all that also can have custom overlays on that. So the entire experience is branded. The great mm-hmm. thing comes from the instant sharing. So people will take these captures and then they would text to themselves or email it to themselves by the end of the evening. So this does two things. They get the I've images as quickly I've seen, as possible. I, I've seen that at a couple. Now, this was pre-pandemic 
but I always thought it was cool. Like, um, you're at a photo booth. I think I was at um, a concert the last time it happened, and it was like photos with the band. And basically, you went up to the photo booth, and it's like, hey, enter in your cell phone number, uh, hit confirm. That's all they wanted. Bam, you took your picture. You were in and out. And within 20 minutes after you took your picture, you got a link in a text message that was to see your full resolution pictures with those rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ours, instead of taking 20 minutes, though, maybe it takes like 20 milliseconds. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, may, it may have been, it, it may have been less. It's, you know, going back two, three years now, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Technology has changed a lot. So ours sends immediately um, and they get access to all these images and, and what you really are selling here is not mm -hmm. the capturing of photographs. You're really selling an elevated event. You want your event, right. you want your wedding, David, to be as memorable as possible, right? So you bring this photo booth. People are having fun at that thing. But you also want to see other people's pictures as well. So all these images, all these mm -hmm. captures get uploaded to this beautiful online gallery instantly. That's so all awesome. the guests can relive the moments. And then from the owner's perspective, they get actually all the emails and all the phone numbers by the end of the evening. And they actually use that to build their marketing list in their CRM. So every single event they go to, they're collecting another 100, 200, 300 people in their contact list. That's how your photo booth bookings kind of grow exponentially because every event you go out to, you're probably going to get another two, three, four bookings just from that event mm -hmm. for a birthday party, a corporate event, or anniversary anything. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs on this show. I mean, even me, I, like I was saying, with all the businesses that I have, my head's clicking right now. Oh, should I buy a photo booth <laughs> for the DJ parties I want to do? What kind of cost price do these have? Are you able to kind of disclose a range or something like that? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Everything's very transparent on our website. I okay. believe in that. Thanks. So again, our, our previous photo booths were nine to twelve thousand dollars, David. Wow. And we really wanted to provide something that was available to the masses. And again, if you look at starting a franchise that it's almost gonna be like guaranteed success. You open up a McDonald's, you're, you're gonna be making serious cash flow. Those things cost like two hundred fifty thousand dollars and up. Oh, so yeah. So our photo booth is only three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also had the the software options as far as an additional add-on cost on top of that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you can either, there's two plans, a $49 a month plan or a $99 a month plan. And that gives you unlimited access to as many events as you want on one device. So technically, if you have 30 events in one month, you're only just paying $49. That's it. So your cost wow. of goods sold per event, at least from a software perspective, comes down to a few bucks per event. And yeah. most people on average charge at least $600 and they can go all the way up to $1,500 depending on where you live. And who yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't know if you've heard about this, but over the past year, yeah, maybe it's like 14, 15 months now, but we've been in this thing. It's like some sort of pandemic. I think they call it COVID. Have you heard about that? You know, I just saw in the news recently. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, 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 exactly. How has that affected your business? Because live events, you know, it's 
it, it feels weird, but it's almost like talking about live events, like they were a thing of the past and they're a thing that's going to be in the future, but they're not current day in a way. How has it affected you? What have you seen? So I remember the exact day where everything shut down. I was actually supposed to be on a flight to Vietnam that evening. Ooh. And I got a call from Korea Airlines saying that our flight was canceled. And the week ensuing were <laughs> the slowest and most painful seven days of my life when we realized that the condition that brought our customers money events in person mm-hmm. gatherings were being canceled and for an indefinite amount of time and the later on top of that the moral complexity of, of that our products if, even if they did were were brought out to an event were almost facilitating gathering of people that was really difficult so right. that did it scare you i mean uh, you know being a business owner uh Seeing everything that's happening, seeing what your business is built around. I think personally, you wouldn't be human if you weren't at least a little bit scared, like, oh my God, what do we have to do now? And yeah, eventually you kind of get over it to where it's like, okay, it is what it is. Let's pivot and change things. But there had to be a moment of fear there for you for at least a second. Was there? Absolutely. Um, you know, but we've been through a lot as business owners mm-hmm. and I could be on this podcast for hours explaining everything that we've been through and, you know, you never want to waste a good crisis. Right. And a lot of, yeah. a lot yeah. of opportunity comes from these situations. So we focused right. on, Hey, you know what? We can't control some of these things, but we can control a lot of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And we knew that going into this, that many possible competitors, other people were just going to shut down and maybe go in hybrid and no, but we weren't. We were going right. we to innovate. We were going to provide solutions that would still facilitate safe, get a safe um, photo booth events for our owners. And going back to what we did, we, we had these hands-free modes. So it was extremely sanitary and safe. We created options where users could drop off their photo booth and pick it up later. So they didn't have to be at a live gathering. We also came out with something called virtual booth, David. So instead of being actually at an event and all these virtual events are happening, we created yeah. a photo booth that could be activated on your phone, on your tablet, on wow. your desktop. So someone at a virtual event, all they need to do is send that link to everybody and everybody could take part in a photo booth experience. So our That's owners, awesome. I guarantee you, we're, we're charging like $500 to $1,000 a day to use a virtual booth. And it was only as easy as sending a link to the customer. You didn't have to be That's there, crazy. no paper and ink costs or anything. You pay $99 a month for our app. You create this virtual booth. You have a link, you send it to the customer and that's how you get paid. It's pretty well. That, no, that, that's pretty awesome. That's innovation. That, that's pretty awesome. Now, as we go forward, okay, events, how they were pre-COVID, they're going to happen again, but I think they're going to happen with a twist. And that, that twist is they're going to be more hybrid events, okay? It's going to be some in-person, some not in-person, because I think, you know, for better or worse, that's one of the biggest things that we as a culture learned during COVID is that 
you don't have to drive to the office every day to work nine to five. You don't have to go to every single networking event or industry event. You can do things from as far away and still get the same value as before. How is your company then planning uh, you know, for that hybrid event, you know, structure in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I do agree that there's going to be a huge shift from in-person to hybrid. It's very, not just popular, but actually really profitable from an event holder standpoint, because they don't have to just sell in-person tickets. Now they can sell virtual tickets. So we've been seeing a lot of um, these mm -hmm. event uh, holders having the most profitable year ever, because they can have 10 times, 30 times more attendees, you know, and charge a lower cost. So we have more of a market share too, a more entry right. point. So yeah, I, I really see it two ways though, David. There's gonna be the the corporate events and maybe the 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 big conferences and the concerts right. that are gonna have a bit of a portion be hybrid. And again, we're gonna be encountering that with our virtual booth options and our hands-free mode options. So virtual booth 10 takes care of that. And that's where a lot of our biggest contracts are from. You can easily sell a virtual booth. If they're engaging with tens of thousands of customers, oh, you can easily sell that brand awareness, customer engagement, spin, yeah. et cetera, for $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a day. But on the other side, where there's more intimate event, more personal events, like weddings and birthday parties, things like mm -hmm. that. Those will, I, in my opinion, especially if they're local and you're inviting a local crowd, almost always be in person. People are dying to see each other again. Um, I, you know, I've been going out back to eating after I got vaccinated and the malls are mm -hmm. packed, David. It's, it's hard to even oh, get a yeah. reservation at places. People are smiling again, talking to each other again. They want to see each other and more than ever, they want to take a picture with each other. Yeah. Because yeah, I, who I knows when is the last time you're going to see that person again, right? Especially after what happened oh, in 2020. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think people are over the COVID distancing. Now, for better or for worse, you know, I don't want to get into the uh, argument if this is correct or not correct. But I think people in general, they're just over it. They're like, it is what it is. They know what the risks are, especially if they're not vaccinated of going out and doing these things. And I, I think people are just wanting to get back to life as normal. But one of the things you just said, you said, I, I forget if you said just virtual concert or hybrid concert, no matter what it is, though, I don't know. I'm a huge, huge music fan. I mean, if you turn this camera around, I got nine different guitars there and a lot of amps and I go to a lot of, of, of shows, but I don't think I could ever see myself paying for a virtual music event. If I go to a music event, it's gotta be in person. That's probably one of the only things that I would say that I've got to do that in person or there's no value on me. But if you take me to a technology event, like uh, we're with my day job, we do SAP Business One and Sage Intact. So with either of them, like SAP has their small business subnet, okay? I'm totally fine doing those type of events, 100% virtual. 
saves me so much time doing that virtual rather than flying out there, being stuck, losing all the other productivity I could have. Not for a concert though, man. If I if I'm gonna go see Aerosmith, guess what? It's gonna be first row in person, you know, not watching them first row on a computer screen. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's that's wonderful that someone in your position can afford that and can fly out there and can be front row. Uh, but as these people have seen, there's, there's a larger demographic who maybe can't afford to even fly out yeah. there, right? Couldn't even afford the nosebleed seats, but they can afford a twenty dollars ticket to be virtual to be with someone that they absolutely love. You know, you know, you've seen this with the the Korean K-pop shows, and stuff right, like right, that. Right. It, it's crazy yeah, how, how how far these fans would go. But anyways, but yeah, I mean, why wouldn't why why wouldn't they just put it on a playlist and Spotify and listen to it rather than going to see? I don't I don't know. I'm just yeah. trying to grab my head around that. What do you think? I think this is a good sidetrack conversation. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, human connection is powerful and wanting to connect and wanting to see other people is is powerful, yeah. right? And even if through a screen true. or anything like that. And again, like we're lucky that we're seeing it know, live. We're we're getting out yeah. of this, right? But there's a lot of countries that are still very much in lockdown and might be in lockdown for a very long time. Um, oh yeah, look at India. So, my my wife yeah. is Peru, and uh, I tell you what, I mean things are bad. Uh, we, she was telling me, I forget if it was her cousin or whatever, but they had to wait three days in line. Okay, now this is just to buy a tank of oxygen. Okay, that's how bad things are in places like Peru, and it's totally underreported by the media and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, we we do have it fairly lucky here, I think, in the US compared to a lot of other places. So your points are totally valid with what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, regardless, I think we agree on one thing, which is like events will go hybrid, you know, um, mm -hmm. and there'll always be that component. You can even argue certain fact weddings will still be hybrid at one point, right? destination weddings are becoming increasingly popular. Not everyone can afford to fly out to Thailand, <laughs> you know, to yeah. enjoy a seven week getaway, you know, it's, it's very difficult. So um, yeah, hybrid, hybrid events are here to stay. And it's going to be interesting to see commonplace now at a giant TV linked to zoom <laughs> on a wedding yeah. aisle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, this is going to be a thing. Here, here's a funny story. Uh, this is just proves how I'm ahead a of the curve in technology. Uh, my grandmother passed away, I think it was 2010. And my economic situation, you know, from the great financial collapse there in 2008, 9, 10, I was still suffering very, very bad. I, I could not afford, I was living in Tijuana, Mexico at the time. I could not afford to fly back home to rural Pennsylvania for the funeral. And I'm talking to people like, hey, can't you live stream this on a Skype call for me? Like, seriously, just set up a computer, set it on Skype. That way I can watch. And everybody, like, they were offended that I was even asking like that. Like, oh, that's so disrespectful. How could you do that? How could you even think that? I'm like, 
It's the same thing. You're just doing it. It's a private video call. I'm the only person that's going to watch it. And it's my chance to say goodbye to my grandmother. And yet here we are 10, 11 years later, and it's commonplace. You know, it's crazy how those mentalities have changed because of this pandemic. Yeah, it's it, we're you know, people want to go back to the normal that they that they were experiencing before the pandemic. But I, mm-hmm. the reality is we're going to be entering in a whole new world. Um, and it's going to be a lot, I think, a lot more exciting for, for many of those reasons that we just mentioned, right? You're going to be able to attend a lot more experiences from the comfort of your home um, and, and just experience more. Um, and, I'm still and worried really about pick engagement. And, choose, and pick and choose which engagement you want to spend time on, right? So instead of being mm-hmm. on flights half of the year, going to, you know, flying to Pennsylvania for a quick one hour meeting and flying back home, being mm-hmm. super tired and, and being not being present for your kids, you can say to that person in Pennsylvania, you know, let's just do this digitally, right? And then let, let's let's spend the time instead spending time with our kids um, and doing what you just have more choice, I think, now that the world is being a little more lenient mm-hmm. on virtual um, engagement. I, I'm still worried, though, about overall engagement as far as i mean i i can't tell you how many webinars i join and their background sound to me because something else distracts me you know and when i say distracted it's not like i'm just chatting with somebody on facebook it's I got, you know, some fire or something like that with work that I've got to take care of right there. Whereas if I was at that event in person, that fire would still be there, but it would be forced to wait until I got a moment. And I do think that there's that virtual engagement aspect that we still have to kind of figure out how do you overcome that? Yeah. For sure. And, and, and as yes. the owner of a, a partially distributed company, too, I, I very much value work-life balance and understand how the multiple forms of communication can really pierce into your daily life and, and be extremely toxic. Um, so I, I always tell people, like, when it, when it hits 5.30 or whenever they end their shift, like, turn off everything. And the point where, <clears throat> excuse me, you have emergencies or you have these fires you know, mm-hmm. a lot of it maybe is due to chance and, and bad luck. But a lot of it really is due to poor planning, poor people, poor processes, poor leadership, poor et cetera. Oh, yeah. So if you can pre-plan a lot of that stuff as much as possible, and being in a digital world and digital company, it's it's even more important to do that. Um, take, for example, we just hired somebody uh, last week. He's in, he's in Phoenix. We don't have anybody in Phoenix. How do we train and onboard somebody remotely for the first time? Very difficult, right? We have a Trello board, um, which is essentially like a project management software. And we have like literally every hour of the first two weeks of his time at our company broken down. These are the tasks you need to do. You need to meet with this person for this goal. You need to accomplish this, accomplish that. Here's the SOPs you need to read. Everything is done. Through this, he's checking off things as he progresses. They check, do this one 15-minute check-in with his leader a day to see how the how how much um, progress he's making. And it's very transparent, very easy, very clear. 
And in that sense, there's no micromanagement because we're not, we don't know, we know exactly what that person is doing because they're checking things off throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just very clear. So yeah, I I just challenge all business owners as they go into this setting, if if they're worried about having their team members be um, remote, don't worry about that. Worry about your processes, worry about your people, Mm -hmm. worry about all your SOPs that you got, you know, and worry about setting correct goals. That's what you should be worrying about. Right. Something we've talked about a lot on this show, and I'm a, a firm believer in this, is that the nine to five workday is just antiquated. You know, work life balance, there's no commutes, you're working from home, you know, for the most part anymore. Uh, you know, it, it really comes down to task. Okay. We're, I, I think the future is going to be instead of the 40 hour work week, maybe it's still based around 40 hours and how much work you fit in that 40 hours, but it's going to be more task orientated than clocking in and out for eight hours a day. Yeah, I have to partially disagree with that. Um, Okay, this interview (laughs) just ended. (laughs) <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> you know no i you know to, to some people that's fine but what what that enables essentially is, is having your brain on work mode 24 7 and, and i'm a big fan of discipline and making sure that you schedule time blocks throughout your day right so you can have a, a extremely flexible time uh to work yeah. if you want to but hey do it from 9 to 11 take it to our break Work from one to three, take another two hour break, spend time with family, work work from nine to 11, whatever. But I really is strict about start and end times because that gives you a time right. limit for you to do your work. And mm-hmm. what I, I really um, urge people to improve upon is like, oh, I'm just going to work on this throughout the day and kind of go in and out on my laptop. That really provides no structure start and end time. You, the, the line really blurs when, when business and personal. And it's just, it's just really rough to shut off your brain. Uh, which can become right. really harmful to your personal life. So I, I agree with you in the sense That's that things true. should be flexible, but I urge people to have discipline and when they start, have a rigid start and stop time too. And would that be nine to five? That's fine. Some people like working eight hours straight. Some people like taking a break in the middle. Maybe maybe work you know, seven days a week and just like four hours a day. Who knows? Whatever, right? But yeah. I just urge people to have a really structured time of when they start and stop work. Yeah, no, I I think that that is absolutely true and something we practice. It's kind of like, hey, look, especially I think I come from it from the sales point of view. I always hated and I've turned down a lot of jobs to where they expect, oh, you've got to go to these this breakfast meeting, you know, for this committee thing. And then you need to be in the office from nine to five, but then you also have to make sure that you do these networking events in the evening. And I'm thinking, hold on a second, you're you're paying me 40 hours a week and yet you're asking me to do all this extra stuff. Like that's not very fair, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where me, where I come from and with my team that I manage, it's like, okay, you're going to be doing the morning thing. Okay. Maybe then you work till 11, take a couple hours off, go to your daughter's recital, whatever it may be. Do whatever you have to do within nine to five. You get that done prioritized between nine and five. Outside of that, I don't care when it's done as long as it 
gets done, gets done responsible. And I kind of let it up to them to pick those time spots. But, you know, they do have their firm, you know, start and stop time. So it yep. works. But um, hey, Brandon, this has been fun, man. We learned a lot about your innovative company, which is pretty cool, and how it's kind of worked through the pandemic. Even talk some really cool worth work ethic type stuff, man. Uh, do you have any final words of advice out there for any entrepreneurs that might be struggling with this pandemic? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's there's opportunity in every crisis. And unfortunately for people that are living in the U.S., I think mm-hmm. that crisis is ending shortly. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity to be had. And, and, and just speaking for, for my company itself, the events in 2021 are going to surge. They're has been so many statistics out there with event venues being booked, not just Saturday and Sunday, but Monday through Sunday. There's events happening every single day of the week because there's not enough supply to meet the demand. And that's just for venues, for for photo booths, for photographers, videographers, et cetera. The event industry is going to be a super hot business. And you know, you could pick up some cameras and and learn how to become a photographer and and spend a year doing that. Or you could pick up a photo booth for three thousand dollars and have essentially a manual teach you how to make make money right away. Um, I know a lot of people were also laid off too. And maybe some people are listening to David's podcast to to learn how to become an entrepreneur. You can absolutely do that. Um, and if you want, we have tons of free free information, PDFs, pricing guides, profit calculators, tons and tons of YouTube videos to teach you how to become a successful entrepreneur and also be a successful photo booth owner. And you can check that all out at photoboothsupplyco.com to see if that's something of interest to you. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And I'll make sure that I have a lot of photos of the free samples of the photo proof that you're going to be sending me. So (laughs) (laughs) I tried to slip that in there. I think you caught it. But uh, hey, Brandon, thank you so much, man. This has been amazing. And please reach out check out this guides that he has for you learn about his company he's got a lot of great material out there brandon thank you and once this pandemic is all said and done i'd say maybe six months or so like after things get to the new normal i'd love to get you back on so that we can kind of discuss how this hybrid model of the future is actually shaping out yeah it's already happening and our people are doing virtual photo booths in addition to an in-person photo booth. So love to give you an update in six months to see how that's all working out. But yeah, David, thank you so much for having me on. It was so fun. I didn't expect us to take a huge turn over there, a huge pivot and talk about all that stuff, but it was a, it was quite refreshing and I'd love to pick your brain and all that stuff. Hey, I told you unstructured conversation, (laughs) man. That's where we thrive. Thank you again, Brandon. Thanks. Bye. Wow. Such an amazing chat with Brandon, right? First, y'all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, share this out to your network. Sharkbite Biz is easily the best pet business secret out there. Okay, share it out. I'd love nothing more than to see Sharkbite Biz and Brandon Wong trending on social media so let's get back to our rock star guest brother okay really cool how he ended up taking some of the risk out of business 
by finding a scalable solution. I mean, truth is that a photography business is very hard to scale and it's hard to scale at mass. You know, you need a lot of very accountable and timely people. And it's, I think it's also kind of hard to give a living wage like full time when you're trying to ramp up. That's just my opinion. I'm on the outside looking in. That's how I think about it. And when I see that compared to what Brenda did with Photo Boots, it's like, wow, that's amazing. That was the low-hanging fruit where you took your love, you took your passion, and you were able to actually turn that into a scalable business. I mean, come on, Duke Ghost says first trade show sells over six figures worth of photo boots. It, it, it really is. It's astonishing. It's amazing. And the reason I wanted to point this out, because many of us, just like me with the podcast, and we talked about this during the show, is why would people listen to me when there's a cabillion other podcasts out there? You know, don't be discouraged if you aren't inventing something new. If you have an idea, if you have a passion, if you have a love for something and you think that you could do it better than anybody else, that you can make people rethink how they do things. Go for it. Start your own thing. Make your own path. Do what you got to do and create your own business just like Brandon did. I love how Brandon innovated, though, with this situation. I mean, he really did remain fluid throughout the lifespan of his business so far. He started doing virtual photo booths during the pandemic. It's amazing. I love it. I mean, really, I, I can't say amazing enough because of how good he did. He started doing hands-free delivery, you know, he started doing the QR codes, drop off, pick up. He, I mean, you take a look back at this interview and just re-listen to everything that Brandon said that he did to change for his business, how he was able to remain agile and make the moves that he needed to be successful during this unprecedented time. You know, plus, I think one of the biggest things that we don't want to overlook is that he took a business which was very one-time transactional, photo booth here, photo booth there, event here, event there, done. And he actually turned it into a SaaS company. Now, for you out there that don't know what SaaS mean, no problem. It's a newer term. It's been around for a couple of years. It's software as a service. And what that means is, is that he basically instead of getting a big bang off of these one-time events. Now he has recurring revenue, okay? He has predictable revenue that hits his bank account each and every month, which is critical, I think, for success these days. Everybody's looking at what they call the ACV. Okay, the annual income that you're getting off each customer that you get in there. And the reason that's so good is because let's just say you lose a customer for whatever reason. Doesn't have to be your fault. Could be, you know, it could be your fault, uh, but it could be maybe, you know, they went out of business or whatever, something, nothing to do with you. Okay. You lose one customer, it's not the end of the world because it's, you know, just one small piece of the puzzle, whereas you have all of the other businesses there kind of keeping everything afloat, if it kind of makes sense of you thinking about that. But it's every business's dream to have that predictable mailbox money 
every single month. Congrats on all your success, Brandon. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Really incredible. Loved having you here. So question of the day. What do you think of SaaS revenue for your business? Can you apply that to what you do? Is it possible? Is it feasible? Maybe you just have to think outside of the box to see how you could actually make it work. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. Love to hear from you all. If you want to be on the show, make sure you shoot an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Please remember, join the channel. It is $3 a month. You can become a baby shark or go to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. Get 20% off your order. Help support this show. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.